everybody's looking for the key to success to help them grow, to become more successful. You're not going to find it in a sales book. You're not going to find it in a marketing book, a book on competitive advantage, a book on strategy, a book on innovation. No, it's going to be an understanding how to build mental toughness, resiliency. That's what you need. That it's a set up, not a set back. Because I refuse to allow a negative circumstance to dictate my life. You think it's actually going to work out that way. <laughs> Here's the thing that you don't understand. Is that it's never going to beat me down. It's never going to defeat me. I'm never going to allow this to beat me. Because life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. There are demons all around us. Demons in the form of fear, anxiety, guilt, depression, sadness, bullying, learned helplessness, negativity. And if we allow these demons to control us, we will only continue to lose the battle on mental health. It's time for us to cut the crap from our lives and go on offense against these demons by building mental toughness and resiliency. That's why you're here. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to the Cut the Crap Show. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligiuri, on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing that book down to its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets. I'm here with you every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark change in your life. I'm trying to help you build mental toughness and resilience every single week. If you're a fan of the show, then please go online, rate, and review the show, especially if you're listening on iTunes. You know the spiel. Also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm on all those. Connect with me, and when you do, tell me you found me through the show. Just tell me that, uh, how much you love the show, and you know, let me know how it's impacting your life. That always means a lot to me, and so many of you do that every single week, so just keep that up. And last but not least, please go to the CutTheCrapShow.com. At the very top, you'll see a bright red button. That bright red button will give you an opportunity to donate $5 every single month to the Cut the Crap Show. And that money is going towards causes that I'm supporting, and I'm supporting no-kill animal shelters. These shelters really need funding to help pay for surgeries, pay for food, um, pay for the health of these animals. And so what I'm doing is I'm collecting all that money, and I'm donating it in the form of buying product, um, paying for surgeries, things of that nature. And um, anything that you can do to support those causes, I mean, we're just driving change in this world. And together as a community, we can drive a lot of change. All right, so now that that's out of the way... What are we talking about this week? We have returning guest and friend of the show, Amy Morin. She's back on. Last time we had her on, we were talking to her about, um, on episode 143, the 13 things mentally strong people don't do. Well, this time she's got another book out. And this book is the 13 things mentally strong women don't do. And don't worry, men. Don't run away from this one. This one's very important. You should listen to this as well. If you have women in your life, and I'm sure you all do. Friends, family, spouses, colleagues, coworkers, peers, it doesn't matter. You need to understand the perspective of women. And for all the fans out there of the Cut the Crap Show who are women, this episode is for you. And I think Amy did such a great job of breaking down these 13 golden nuggets for you. And I just can't wait to break in. And we got a long episode here, so I am not going to get some jibber-jabber here. You all know Amy's story. If you haven't heard it, then go back over and listen to episode 143 after or before you listen to this one, whatever you decide to do. 
But before we crack into this one, I had to ask Amy why she chose to go from writing a book about people in general to a book specifically designed for women. You know, there's so many examples of mental toughness, but when you look at, say, the media or you turn to social media, it's usually a Navy SEAL. It's an elite athlete. More often than not, it's men. And after my first book came out, I had so many questions from from women. I had a lot of questions from parents. That's what led to my second book, which is the parenting edition. But I had so many questions from women about how do we raise strong daughters? What does it look like to be a, a mentally strong woman in today's world? And then, of course, the Me Too movement started just about the same time as I had come up with the idea for this book. So I really wanted to just speak to women and say, okay, what are the unhealthy habits that women are more likely to engage in? And I've had a lot of men who have read this book. They said that they uh, could identify with it, that they tended to engage in those habits. And I have no doubt that men struggle with these things as well. But I really wanted to look at what does the research say about women in particular with these 13 issues and why are women more likely to engage in them? How is it holding us back? And what can we do differently? All right, let's kick this off with golden nugget number one. We got a lot of golden nuggets here, so let's get right into it. Golden nugget number one. Mentally strong women don't compare themselves to other people. Measuring your happiness, your wealth, your health, your appearance against other women drains you of your mental strength. You start to feel guilty. You don't start to feel good about yourself. You start to envy maybe what other people have. And you can't do that. It puts you in a place of weakness. You should always be competing with one person and one person only. Yourself. So when we look at social comparisons, we know that women tend to say if they say they're looking at Instagram and they look at another woman who maybe she's a fitness instructor and she tends to look fairly perfect. Women are more likely to think, gosh, I'll never be like that and then feel bad about themselves where we know that men sometimes look at other men who maybe are idyllic looking and they gain some inspiration. They think, well, I could look like that someday. So in particular, we know it affects women more, but for most of us, it's about always thinking that like somebody else has more money than I do, or she's prettier than I am. She's smarter than I am. I'll never be able to get ahead like that person. And it really drags you down, makes you feel like I'm not good enough. I won't be able to succeed. Other people are doing better than I am. But really, it's like comparing apples and oranges. So it's about putting the focus back on your own journey. Mm. So the only person they should be really comparing themselves to, women, compare yourselves to the person you were yesterday. Don't worry about everybody else. Focus strictly on yourself. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And to know that you're not you're not in competition. When you start viewing everybody else's competition, you're more likely to, uh, to, to lose focus on what's important in your own life. You forget, well, what are my values? What's my own definition of success? How do I focus on what's really important to me rather than always worrying about who's ahead of me or how I'm, how I'm stacking up against other people? Golden nugget number two. Mentally strong women don't insist on perfection. Now, I get that there's some of you out there who might say, I am a perfectionist or I focus on you know doing my absolute best, whatever. I get it. Focus on doing your best. Have high expectations. But don't hold yourself back because you're scared of what other people are going to say or you're scared that it's not going to be good enough. Sometimes it's just important to ship. Seth Godin says that. He always says, ship, ship, ship. The founder of LinkedIn says that if your first release doesn't embarrass you, you released too late. And I know there's some people out there that say, hey, Ryan, I don't agree with that. I have very high expectations of myself and only the best goes out. Listen, I get it. Put the best out there, but not at the expense of productivity, not at the expense of speed. Remember, we've said this on the show multiple times, productivity, not perfection. 
And it's going to take some time for you to essentially rewire your brain to understand that productivity should be valued over perfection. And if you consider yourself a perfectionist, you should really stop because if you actually look at your life, is it helping you? Is it reducing your stress? Are you moving faster? Are you getting a better result? More often than not, when I'm talking to people who consider themselves perfectionists, they have a lot of problems. They have problems in their pipeline, problems with their ability to make money, problems hiring, problems in internal operations and efficiencies. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, you call yourself a perfectionist and yet you have all these problems. Do you not see the disconnect here? A lot of the times they don't. And you got to like drill it in their head to understand that you're not valuing productivity. You're valuing perfection and it's hurting you. But in any case, let's hear what Amy has to say about this one. So we know that women tend to think that they uh, are setting the bar high, but often it's not just high expectations. It's that we're expecting ourselves to be perfect. Obviously, we're human. We make mistakes. We do things that uh, that we didn't mean to do. And all of that stuff is just natural. It's going to happen. It's just part of being a human being. But for women, we tend to beat ourselves up. We tend to think that our mistakes are, are proof that we're not good enough, proof we shouldn't try, proof we don't belong. And it gets in, us caught up in this vicious cycle. And studies will show that perfectionism doesn't fuel you. It actually holds you back. It keeps you stuck. It makes it so that you don't perform as well. It's this horrible irony uh, that the more perfect you think you should be, the worse you're going to do. <laughs> So it's really about letting go, about knowing you don't have to be perfect, whether you were talking about how you look or how you perform at the office or in a relationship, that you're going to make mistakes and to learn to speak to yourself with more self-compassion rather than beating yourself up or thinking that you aren't good enough. Golden nugget number three, mentally strong women don't see vulnerability as a weakness. Now, it truly takes strength to put yourself out there and have the risk of being hurt. You know, whether you're the first person to say, I love you, whether you're the first person to raise your hand and ask a question, or you might be the first person to make a suggestion, you might feel embarrassed about it. You might feel scared about it, but being vulnerable is the first step to building that strength and a big step to forming healthier, happier relationships. And you shouldn't be scared of being vulnerable because it's not a weakness. It's a sign of strength. So this one is really about how, as women, sometimes we feel like we need to keep our game faces on, and our game face serves a purpose. Maybe you're in the office, and you, uh, if you tend to get angry in a meeting, we know that women are often viewed as emotionally unstable. Hmm. Whereas if a man gets angry in a meeting, we tend to think, wow, he's a great leader. He's really passionate about this. And a lot of emotions are the same for women. If a woman gets upset, that uh, a lot of times people tend to have that thought of she she just can't handle this or she's not mentally stable. And but because of that, as women, I think we've sort of figured out how to how to build a wall and not and not allow our emotions to come out. I know a lot of men struggle with this too, and it's something that can be human by nature that we just don't want to let our feelings show. We don't want to say I need help or I I have questions. I don't know all the answers, but we really hold ourselves back when we do that because we don't allow people in. It's, you can't form genuine connections with people. You don't get the opportunity to, to get the help that you need. You can't allow other people to help you. So many problems with it, but I think it's a problem with society right now that we tend to see vulnerability as, as some sort of weakness and that you have to pretend that you're perfect, mm -hmm. whether it's on, on social media or in real life, but it's tough to let people know, gosh, I'm struggling here. I need help. 
Absolutely. And I think that's what fuels you don't talk about mental toughness. That's what fuels a lot of the mental illness that happens today because we're, we're trying to keep a stoic figure, we're trying to stay strong, and we're lying to ourselves and we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We don't allow ourselves to be authentically us. And by fighting against this idea of being vulnerable, we're putting up this front. And this front is actually hurting us because we're not able to express ourselves fully. And we, we, we allow the fear, the anxiety, you know, the, the guilt to just grow and grow and grow because, well, I'm just putting on a strong face. No, vulnerability is sometimes talking about how you feel, sometimes letting the emotions out. That is true strength, women and men alike. And I think that it's very important for for women to really hear this because I believe that there's a lot of executives out there who believe, like you said, you know, they have to, you know, put on a, a, a tough demeanor, a tough face. Well, no, sometimes the most, well, not sometimes, the strongest women that I've ever worked with allowed themselves to be vulnerable. Absolutely. And I think that you touched on something important, which is the difference between being strong and acting tough. And that when we act tough, we pretend like we don't have any problems or that we don't have any emotions or that pain doesn't bother us. That's not the same as being strong. Sometimes being strong is acknowledging all of those things, being aware how you feel, being willing to talk about it. It takes courage to do those things. And so uh, to be strong, you have to be able to dig deep and say, I'm going to do this, even though it feels uncomfortable. Golden nugget number four. Mentally strong women don't let self-doubt stop them from reaching their goals. As a human being, for the most part, we all have some element of self-doubt. So learning how to deal with this, so important. So we all have that nagging voice in our head that says you're not good enough or you're going to fail, you're going to embarrass yourself, or you don't even belong, belong here, you shouldn't even try. And, but research will show that women tend to allow that nagging voice to stop them more often than men. Women will think, okay, if I'm, if I'm feeling this way, if I'm thinking this way, maybe this is intuition or it's a sign that I shouldn't move forward. So it's really important to recognize that your self-doubt, that it's just a thought, it's an opinion, it's something that runs through your head, but it's not necessarily true. In fact, more times than not, the self-doubt that you have is probably not accurate. So it doesn't have to dictate your behavior. When you think, I can't do this, I'm going to mess up, everybody's going to laugh at me, decide I'm going to prove my brain wrong. I'm going to show myself that, yeah, I'm more capable and competent than I think. And every time you do something like that where you say, okay, I, I was just able to accomplish something that I thought that I couldn't, sort of trains your brain to see yourself in a different light and your brain will start to say, okay, you're more competent, you're more capable, you're able to do more things than, than perhaps your brain gave you credit for. <laughs> that's right. And that's really important for women to be willing to stretch themselves, to be willing to do things, to know that you don't have to feel confident all the time. When we look around and we look at other people, we think, gosh, everybody else is so confident. It's just me who isn't. But that's not true. All of us deal with self-doubt sometimes. Every single one of us. And I think that's, again, one of the, the challenges with people who are, are, are struggling with mental toughness, resilience, is this idea of learned helplessness, of doubting themselves, believing that they can't do something. And I think that's so important for people to realize, and you kind of nailed it right on the head there, where you really have to almost short circuit your brain and you have to go against what your brain is telling you because your brain will, will doubt your competence, but just like you said there, you can't believe everything that you think. And you sometimes just have to move ahead despite the thoughts that are in your head. And I love that. It's just about building that habit, building that muscle. Yes, definitely. Practice makes it, makes it easier to be able to say, okay, just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. Golden nugget number five. Mentally strong women, they don't overthink everything. You know, it's been shown that ruminating over things has been linked to depression, anxiety, stress, 
and it can absolutely prevent you from taking positive action in your life. I know, again, a lot of these things are easier said than done, but it's really about listening to this golden nugget, then thinking about your life. How often am I overthinking things? How often am I letting self-doubt stop me from reaching my goal? How often am I allowing myself to be vulnerable? Am I too much of a perfectionist and not valuing productivity? Do I compare myself to other people more often than not? Put your life under a magnifying glass when you're listening to these golden nuggets and realize if you are taking on some of these bad habits. If you are, that's not helping you build resilience. It's not helping you build mental toughness. And when it comes down to this golden nugget, all about overthinking, listen, I, men and women alike, all these things hurt your ability to be mentally tough and resilient. So let's see what Amy has to say about this one. So problem solving is helpful, but overthinking is different. When we're overthinking, we're rehashing something that already happened or we're investing a lot of energy into something we have no control over. We're worrying about things that, that we can't prevent and or we just tend to rehashing things so much that it prevents us from taking action. And studies will show women tend to overthink more than men. And that's one of the reasons why women are more likely to experience anxiety and depression and other mental illnesses is because we sit around and think too much. So one thing to do is to just recognize when you're thinking about something, am I, is this helpful? Is it harmful? Is it making me feel worse? Or am I actually solving a problem? Uh, are you looking for a solution or are you just dwelling on the problem? Hmm. And when you're just sort of dwelling on something, when you're rehashing a conversation that already happened, when you're replaying things in your head or worrying about things you can't control, to make the conscious de decision to say, I'm going to do something different. And maybe you have to get up and go distract yourself with something for a while, but to not let your brain just sit and stew on things that aren't helpful. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's a lot of research that shows that even when it comes to solving a problem, sometimes we're better off to not, to not consciously think about it just let your brain sort of work it out in the background that's why sometimes an, an idea comes to you when you're not thinking about something and it, because it's not about the time that we put into it we tend to think if i just think about this longer i'll come to a come to some sort of a resolution or i'll find the best way to solve this problem but it's not about time sometimes just allowing your brain to work on something in the background while you distract yourself with something else can help you come up with the best decision that is what you just said there is more complex and deeper than maybe people truly understand. And I think that for anybody out there who has actually done that and stopped forcing a thought and allowed a thought to just ruminate and allow your subconscious to kind of process it, you'll know exactly what Amy is talking about. And I don't know why that happens. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I have done that so many times where I sat there and just tried to force a solution, force a solution. Why can't I come up with something? I don't understand what, what's going on here. But then sometimes I just allowed myself to just let it sit in the back of my mind, clear my mind, go for a walk. And when I wasn't thinking about it, when I was just listening to an inspired thought or a message or um, a piece of music, a show that put me in a great state of mind, all of a sudden it was just like a, a flash of lightning coming into my brain. And I was like, oh my God, inspiration hit. I open up my phone, I start writing, I start writing, I start writing. And all of a sudden... My, my problem that I was trying to force a solution to all of a sudden just was solved because I just stopped thinking so much about it. I don't understand why that is, but that is just how it works. Um, and I don't know exactly, you know, there might be neuroscience. I know there's neuroscientists who are listening and they might be able to share with me exactly why that is. But I think that's just such an important point that Amy brought up that we all have to 
remember, we need to stop overthinking so much. And sometimes we just need to allow a thought to process in our minds and allow life um, to come to us and allow those experiences to help us find a solution to the problem that we're dealing with. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in saying I'm going to sleep on it. So rather than stay up all night thinking about coming up with a solution, just go to bed. That's <laughs> when right. You wake up in the morning. Sometimes <laughs> it, the answer is kind of crystal clear to you. Your brain worked it out in the background while you were sleeping. Golden nugget number six. Mentally strong women, they don't avoid tough challenges. Now this comes down to how you create your eight. One of the staples of Create Your Eight, the very first thing that we do when I'm working with clients is help them develop goals and goals that are stretch goals, goals that might scare them a little bit, goals that excite them, probably more excite than scare. You don't really want to be scared of your goals, but things that might make you a little bit uncomfortable in your achievement of them. You got to be willing to face your fears. You have to step up to the plate. And I know that sounds cliche, but you need to challenge yourself to grow a little stronger every day. And the more you do that, you'll build confidence in your ability to do hard things. But again, you don't do that on accident. You don't do that on autopilot. You don't wake up in the morning and say, all right, I'm going to take on tough challenges. No, you have to create the life that you want. You have to create a roadmap and say, okay, I'm going to take step A, B, and C today. And it might be a little bit difficult, but I'm going to do it anyways. And when you put that very specific action in place, when you have that to-do list, when you have goals that you're trying to accomplish, you have no choice but to take on tough challenges. So we know that women tend to approach risk a little bit differently than men. And that's not to say it's always a bad thing. Men tend to accept more physical challenges, for example, and often that's why they end up maybe in the emergency room, they get more broken bones, that sort of a thing. But as women, we tend to turn down a lot of things, whether it's a, a new job opportunity or it's a invitation to be the president of some club that we belong to, something like that, that women often... Uh, either talk themselves out of it, uh, like we talked about in um, before, or they tend to overthink things to the point that they can't take action. But either way, it, it holds women back. They don't, they aren't as likely to put themselves out there to take those risks and to try to do things that are extra tough. And so it's all about knowing that uh, you don't necessarily have to to feel brave to act brave. You just do it in the opposite order. So often women tend to think, well, if I if I hadn't enough courage, I'd do this. Or if I felt better about myself, I'd go back to school or I'd apply for that promotion. But you got to do it in the opposite order. Say, okay, if I want to feel better about myself, what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to school and then I'll feel better about myself. Or I'm going to apply for this promotion so that I can feel good about the fact that at least I tried. So sometimes it's about taking that first step, which is tough to do. It takes courage. But to put yourself out there and know that you can step outside your comfort zone. You can do something different. You can really stretch yourself. And that's how you learn and grow and become stronger. All right, golden nugget number seven, just over halfway there. Mentally strong women, they don't fear breaking the rules. Let's go, rule breakers. What's this one all about? This one is all about knowing that women, we tend to uh, follow the rules almost to a fault. That uh, as little girls, we get praised more than boys do for being polite, for following the rules, for being well-mannered and well-behaved in the classroom. Well, boys sort of get a free pass. They have this boys will be, will be boys mentality, at least in, in a lot of the Western cultures. And because of that, I think as women, we tend to go the flow. We do things that uh, without asking as many questions as we should sometimes. So one of my favorite stories from this chapter is about Catherine Switzer, who was the first woman to run a marathon. 
it was in the late 1960s. And at that point, we thought women couldn't run marathons, which is horrifying because that wasn't that long ago. But we thought women's bodies physically weren't capable <laughs> of running 26 miles. And Crazy. so rather than ask if she could or to wait until somebody gave her permission, she just signed up for this marathon and then ran it. And people tried to physically knock her off the course during the marathon while she was running, but she did it and proved to the world, okay, women can actually do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really important for us as women to recognize what kind of rules do we follow? What kind of maybe gender roles do we get stuck in? What sort of stereotypes do we fall into? How do we break some of those rules to make it clear that as women, we, we can do a lot of things that maybe we once thought we couldn't. That's right. And having that belief gives you the confidence to move ahead and try new things. It's your challenge. It's your goal. It's something that ignites you. And sometimes it's the spark that we need. Sometimes just that defiance that we have inside of our bodies that will give us the confidence, the boldness to move ahead and say, you know what? I don't care what people think. I'm going ahead and I'm breaking these rules and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I love that attitude, that kind of energy, that kind of excitement in somebody, that kind of power that's so attractive, that's so um, uh, magnetic, you know, and it, it, that inspires other people around them to do the exact same thing. And I'm telling you, how awesome would it be to have just a culture of, of, of women who believe that, they believe in breaking the rules. How much great uh, greatness could they achieve in the world with that kind of philosophy? And I love that you dropped that seed for us, um, or, or for, I love that you dropped that seed for women who are listening to this right now to... Tell them, you know, be defiant, get out there, break the rules, don't believe, you know, these gender norms, these societal expectations to stifle your growth, to hold you back. I love that, Amy. I do too. I think it's just some certain things are so ingrained and in the book I talk about how we tend to, if you ask people, draw a picture of a leader, more often than not, everybody draws a man or <laughs> when you talk about doctors versus nurses, we tend to think the, the men are the doctors and the women are the nurses. There's so many things that we could do to just sort of start breaking some of those rules so that uh, we'd really change our culture. Golden nugget number eight. Now, if there's any golden nugget that I, I think is so important and just something I hate so much, men and women who do this. This drives me insane and I call it out in every single organization that I'm working with. I call it out immediately when I see this because I think it's such BS and I cannot stand when people do this. Drives me insane. I'm getting worked up here. All right, let's get into this one. Golden nugget number eight, mentally strong women, they don't put others down to lift themselves up. I know you hate this one too. All right, let's get into this one. This one is so tempting sometimes because it's the quickest way to feel like you're somehow climbing the social hierarchy ladder. That if you put somebody else down, you think, well, now they're below me. And whether it's a coworker or it's a friend, you know, the friend who gets up from the table and the minute she walks away, you turn to somebody else and, and sort of cut her down. And it's something that if we were honest, we've all done at one point or another. And there's sort of something that... Uh, that we thrive on sometimes, whether we're gossiping at work or we find some allies that way by putting somebody else down and we sort of collude together and we feel like we're closer to those people if if it's us against everybody else. And But obviously there's a lot of downsides to that. You don't make yourself look good by putting other people down. Hmm. And it doesn't feel good either that it's sort of this temporary high that you get from putting other people down. But at the end of the day, you don't feel good. You feel a lot better about yourself when you're cheering people on, when you're able to genuinely build people up. But if that's not 
something that you are naturally doing, you have to make a conscious effort to say, what am I going to do to help build other people up today? And uh, it takes a lot of work. It feels uncomfortable at first, but I think some of the the strongest women I know are just genuine cheerleaders who are out there. So whether you decide you're going to say five nice things on social media today to genuinely cheer people up, or you're just going to look for opportunities throughout the day to to say kind things to people and to actually build them up and then to have the courage to walk away when somebody's gossiping or when somebody's cutting somebody else down, call them out on it. Well, look at that. Amy's giving you permission to go and call it out. I'm giving you permission to call it out. Set a higher standard for yourself. Set a higher standard for the people that you hang around with. And when you see people putting other people down to lift them up, call them out. Tell them, come on, what are you doing? We don't have to put other people down. They might not be perfect, but neither are you. I'm not perfect either. And they can easily put us down for another character trait or something that we're not good at that they're even better at. So let's remain humble. Humility is so important. And like I said just a few minutes ago, all of these are great reminders for us that will help us build resilience, mental toughness, yes, but they're just going to help us become better human beings, more understanding, more compassionate, more empathetic. It's so important. Let's get into golden nugget number nine. Golden nugget number nine says that mentally strong women, they don't let others limit their potential. Now, we're talking about limiting your potential. You cannot. You cannot let other people's criticisms of you. You can't let rejection. You can't let so-called setbacks bring you down. You don't need everyone else to believe in you as long as if you believe in yourself. And I know that sounds cliche and maybe a little bit corny to say all you have to do is believe in yourself and you can achieve anything. But that is truly what you need. You need to believe in yourself. Believe in the mission that you're on. Believe in the goals that you're achieving. And don't worry about what other people say. It's a little bit of a conundrum where I've learned to, yes, listen to what people say and care about certain things they say. But at the same time, I don't care about what people say. And I know that's a little bit complicated to understand and, you know, kind of a a walking contradiction. But it's true. I, I care about what people say about the show, this show, because it gives me an opportunity to learn. It gives me an opportunity to get better. But at the same time, if people criticize and they say, you know, I don't like this show because you're too, you know, verbose. You're, you're, you're too animated. You talk too excited. Listen, I don't care about that. That's who I am. I'm authentically me. And if you have a problem with that, then don't listen. I don't give a damn. So you really have to gauge what you care about and what you don't care about. But anyways, speaking of verbose, <laughs> let's get into golden nugget number nine. So when they did studies where they uh, were looking to see how both men and women react to criticism as well as rejection. They found that men treat criticism and rejection as two different things. Women tend to respond to criticism as if they were rejected. And I think that it's really important to recognize that when somebody gives you feedback and maybe it's feedback that's tough to hear, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were rejected. And, you know, if your boss gives you some feedback that maybe you didn't like or says to you, you need to change some things, it doesn't mean that 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 you were rejected for a promotion. It's not the same thing. So sometimes just recognizing that. And also for us women, we tend to take criticism a lot more personally. But there's another study that shows that the critic is more often than not talking about themselves. People who call you names, who say terrible things are often just sort of reflecting how they feel on the inside. And it has very little, if anything at all to do with you. 
And so uh, for women to just figure out, okay, how do I maybe let sometimes people limit my potential? Did somebody once say to me, gosh, you're never going to be a good leader or you're never going to make it in the world, whether you had a parent, a teacher, somebody that made these cutting remarks, it, often it replays in our heads and we struggle to, to let go of that. So not letting other people limit your potential is really about recognizing in what ways maybe people's comments, maybe labels that were placed on you have held you back and setting yourself free, knowing that you can go on and become and do anything you want to. And it's up to you to make those choices and that other people can't hold you back from that. That's exactly right. And I love this because it's the idea that rejection or when you receive harsh criticism, when you do receive some of that or that comes into your life, you let that stop you. You let that beat you. you, Then you start to get this negative self-talk. I'm not good enough. Not smart enough, not fast enough, strong enough, whatever. I can't do this. And you allow that to poison your mind. Well, instead, what philosophies do you believe? Do you believe that life just it happens to me, you know, and this is unfortunate, this is negative, and there's not much I can do about it? Or do you believe that life happens for you? Listen, this didn't happen to me, but that's because it's an opportunity for me to grow. It's an opportunity for me to learn more. It's an opportunity for me to change who I am, to become better, stronger, faster, you know, whatever it is. Do you believe in the setback? Do you believe that setback is going to limit you forever? Or do you look at this setback as a set up for something greater? Listen, I didn't get there today, but that just means because I need to get stronger. And I'm going to use this as a platform to help me get better. I'm going to use it as motivation. Don't let rejection and harsh criticism stop you. You don't need everyone else to believe in you as long as you believe in yourself. And that, was, that came directly from the book. And I love this one, Amy. It's, it's just so important for us to never forget this as we all strive to improve our lives. So important. Absolutely. And I think if we just keep that in mind that you can still move on, you can still go forward, you can take steps, whatever it is that you have to do. And, and it's up to you to make that to make it happen. It's not up to other people and not everybody has to be a, a fan of you as you move forward, but you can do it anyway. Golden nugget number 10, mentally strong women, they don't blame themselves when something goes wrong. So we've probably all seen that women tend to apologize more than men. Say, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. And so I really wanted to know, why is that? And I dug deeper into the research. And one reason is that women tend to take on more responsibility. They tend to think, okay, if it's a, um, if I offended somebody, then it's a horrible offense and really blame themselves a lot more than men do. And they did this fascinating study that involved men and women, If you and they just asked them, if you called a friend, woke your friend up in the middle of the night, and your friend had an interview the next day and didn't get the job, how much would you blame yourself for the fact that you called and woke them up in the middle of the night? And men were like, oh, almost never. That would never, I wouldn't put the two together. I wouldn't really feel bad about it at all. Whereas women were like, oh, that would be terrible. I'd feel horrible. I'd feel awful. It would be all my fault that this friend never got the job. Just, I thought it was just a fascinating example of how women tend to, to blame themselves so much more. And research will show that self-blame has all sorts of horrible consequences. It leads to burnout. It causes us to feel more shame. It can lead to eating disorders, lots of mental health issues. The list goes on and on. So while it's important to take personal responsibility, if you messed up, own it. But on the other hand, don't take on so much responsibility that you blame yourself for things that you didn't even do. Hmm. And as a therapist, I'll sometimes meet with women who the things that the guilt that they've carried for years about something that wasn't their fault, whether they were abused as a kid and they somehow thought that it was their fault that it happened or 
it's a mom who says, gosh, my child has ADHD. I must have done something wrong during my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And just the the amount of weight that these women have carried around because of that. So I think it's so important for for us to recognize am I needlessly blaming myself? How does that hurt me? And how can I forgive myself? How do I let go of, of always blaming myself when whenever anything goes wrong? That's right. And I love the point in the book where you talked about the idea that, you know, we need to acknowledge the behavior, the actions that we've taken. And don't blame our character when we do something that's out of character or we do something that didn't quite work out. Don't say, I'm a bad person or I'm stupid or I'm not good enough or I'll never get this. No, don't blame your character blame the bad choice, blame, blame the, the behavior, you know, I made a bad choice, you know, or, or, you know, I fell off the wagon. Don't say I'm a lazy person or I'm stupid, right? Don't blame your character because we're all works in progress. And we have to realize that And if we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes, to have missteps, uh, it's just not realistic. It's just not. So stop blaming your character when something doesn't go the way you want it to, right? I made a bad decision. Ah, you know, I got lazy this week, but I'm going to get back on the horse tomorrow. You know, don't blame your character when something goes wrong. And I think that was just something that when I read that in the book, it just clicked for me. I'm like, you know what? Even I do that. I blame my character sometimes. And I know how much that can hurt me and how much that can paint a picture of me that is not at all true. And I worry that maybe some of you out there do that far too often to yourselves. We need to stop that. Right. If you want to go on and make better choices in the future, you have to know I made a bad choice and I'm capable of changing. If you have that stuck in your head, I'm a bad person, you'll start to think, well, I can't make good choices. I always make poor decisions. I always hurt people. And you're less likely to do better in the future. Golden nugget number 11. And this one is very important, especially today. Mentally strong women, they don't stay silent. Let's get into this one. This is probably the most controversial one I picked for the <laughs> for the book, but I wanted to make it really clear. If you stay silent about something, it will drain you of mental strength. That doesn't mean that you're mentally weak, but that you need to talk about things. Uh, of course, as the Me Too movement um, was going on, we found so many people who stayed silent for so many years. And I think it's important to recognize it's not always safe for women to go to the authorities or if you're being sexually harassed at work, going to your boss, uh, it's probably going to have some ramifications in some places you get fired. So I don't think you always have to go to authority figures, but you just need to make sure that you aren't harboring deep secrets. Maybe you tell a friend, maybe you hire a professional, you go to therapy and you tell somebody what happened to you. But the point is to just not harbor deep, dark secrets. That's one big part about not staying silent. But the other part of this chapter is really about knowing how men often dominate a conversation, no matter what the subject is. If you go out with a couple of couples and you go out to dinner, just take notice of how much the men talk (laughs) compared to women. Or you sit in a business meeting and just look around at how much men tend to dominate the conversation. And studies will show men often get something like 75% more airtime in a wow. meeting than women do. Wow. And it's not because women are necessarily more efficient with their words, so they need to speak less or anything like that. It's that women often just feel like they whatever they have to say isn't as worthy, or they feel like the men are intimidating, or we tend to think that you know, men who are already sharing ideas aren't going to let us into the club, so we don't bother trying. Mm. 
And it's hard to speak up. Sometimes you have to make it a goal. Okay, I'm going to speak up at least once in every meeting. And, of course, it would be wonderful if business leaders would be more inclusive to invite more women to speak, to recognize that it's happening. Because it's one of those things, once you realize exactly how much men speak compared to how much women do, it's something you can't unnotice. And it, as you look around, you'll think, my goodness, you know, again, your social circles, your um, professional realm, that men just tend to get a lot more airtime. And I think as women, it's important for us to, to practice speaking up more. That's right. And here's something that's very tough to really take in. Um, you kind of hit it right on the head there, where sometimes the women just don't want to speak because the men are dominating the conversation. And sometimes the reality is, and I've been in a boardroom where I've seen this happen, where the woman will pipe in and there's some chauvinistic guy in the room who just continues to talk louder, right? Or, you know, kind of scoffs or shakes his head a little bit when somebody says something else. Um, And so as a woman, when you're already feeling uncomfortable about, about, about sharing what's on your mind or sharing what you believe the solution to be, and somebody then goes ahead and they, they, they shake their head. I'm sure that as a woman you see that and it makes you feel bad. And then that might prevent you moving forward from then again speaking up. Why? Because I felt stupid. You know, they, they, they demeaned me. And I hope that our world is changing where we don't look at that based on, on, on who we are, men or, men or women. Um, I do believe that still exists today and that's shameful. But seeing that will make you scared. It'll hold you back. But just like Amy saying, mentally strong women, they don't stay silent. Fight that fear in your brain, that fear that's telling you, don't speak up. Hold it back. What if they reject me? What if I sound stupid? Don't even think that. Act in spite of fear. Don't stay silent. Share your truth. Share what's on your mind and get into the habit of doing that. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll feel and the more stronger you will become. And I think that's just such an important point to raise. And that's not only in the boardroom talking about business. That's everything from home with family, with friends um, and when problems come about. This whole Me Too movement. And I don't want to talk about it because it's just such a, a crappy situation. But I think about the whole Harvey Weinstein thing where where women were, were staying silent. And why? Because they were worried about what this guy would do to their career. He, they were worried about harming their own reputation and they didn't stay and they stayed silent because they worried. And so this guy continued to go out there and hurt other women, hurt other people and continue to essentially, you know, continue his reign of terror. And the sad thing is that not only happens in Hollywood, but it happens in so many other places. And this is why I believe the Me Too movement was so important to give women the platform, give them the strength, give them the stories of other women standing up to say, you know what, they did it and now I can do it. This one you said is the most controversial, but yet I think this one is the most important um, takeaways from this book. Thank you. I'm hopeful that we're heading in that direction where women are feeling more comfortable and that we can speak up more. And I'm hoping that that's one of the big things that came out of the Me Too movement is we're just banding together and knowing, okay, speak up, speak out, Mm -hmm. make it known that these things are going on and then we can create change. Golden nugget number 12. This is a tough one. Mentally strong women, they don't feel bad about reinventing themselves. Now, this one is very deep because you might be 30 years old and thinking about making a complete career shift, you know, dropping everything that you went to school for and going in a completely different direction. Don't be scared about that. Or you might be 60 years old and you want to redesign your life at that age. Go ahead. Again, like I said, you have one life to live. Live it in a way that makes you happy. Not anybody else, not your husband, 
Not your boyfriend, not your boss, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister. doesn't matter. Live it for yourself. And again, I know that sounds corny. I get it. But when you get there at life, when you get so dissatisfied with the path you're on, you have to change. It's important to engage in personal growth and it's so important to pursue your goals, pursue your dreams. And don't do it at the expense of yourself. Whatever you do, don't feel guilty about going in the direction that you feel is right. And I know some of you have those demons that will hold you back, the demons of fear, the demons of guilt. And I know it's going to be tough for you to create your eight every single day when you have these demons kind of lingering over you. But every day that you move forward, you get a little bit stronger. You get a little bit more resilient in terms of dealing with the guilt, dealing with the fear, dealing with the anxiety of starting fresh, starting brand new. But sometimes starting fresh, starting new, that's exactly what you needed. And starting fresh might be career related. I know that's kind of where we're focusing, but it might be on your health. You might want to start working out and create a brand new body for yourself. It might be mental health. You might want to take up yoga and start to become more in tune with your own mind and start meditating. It might be relationship wise. You might be going through a breakup or you might go through a divorce, but because you know that you deserve better, and that you want better, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to go in a brand new direction. Yes, it's gonna be scary. Yes, it's gonna be upsetting, but do it. Do it for yourself, do it for your future, and allow yourself to truly be happy. Well, you know, as a therapist, I would run into so many women who would say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't necessarily have to be the soccer coach. Or women who would say, you know, I've been a career woman for so long, and now I wanna do something different. I want to become a philanthropist. I want to give back. I want to do something with a nonprofit. And yet it was stuck in their heads of, but that's not who I am. My identity is wrapped up in being the, the lawyer, the accountant, or, uh, or the mom. And really had a hard time sort of wrapping their brains around the fact that it's okay. You can reinvent yourself. You can go out and do something different. And for a lot of women, the idea of being authentic had sort of gotten mixed up along the way. They thought that my authentic self is somebody who's who's a, a stay-at-home mom. It's not somebody who's out traveling the world and doing these other things. And so it was really about knowing that your personality changes, your priorities shift, your values are going to change as you grow older. Things are going to uh, are, are going to be mixed up a little bit in your life. In each season of your life, you might find that you have more time to devote to certain things, that you want to put your energy in a different place, that you've outgrown what you're doing. And it's okay to completely reinvent yourself, whether that means you decide you're going to embrace spirituality or you decide you're going to just make a big career shift or maybe a change in your social circle, whatever it is, it's okay to reinvent yourself. And it doesn't mean that you are inauthentic or you weren't being authentic to yourself 10 years ago. It just means you've grown, matured and found other things that you want to do with your life. That's right. And how exciting is that? You know, realizing that any moment I can choose to reinvent myself. I can become a new person. I can go in a completely different career direction. I can follow my passion. I can follow the direction that lights myself on fire. And the more women we have doing that, uh, Amy, you know, you're a perfect example of that. You know, I think about Rachel Hollis, another great example of that. Follow your passion, follow that fire inside you, reinvent yourself. Just because you've been in a career for X amount of years, doesn't mean that you can't change and do something completely different. Feel empowered to take your life in the direction that you want. You only have one life to live, so damn it, like live it and do what you want to do, what you truly want to do. And I know that sounds cliche and maybe a little bit fluffy, 
but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And I, I, I've done that with my own career multiple times. And I know just how excited that makes me, how much that keeps me on fire. And I know that maybe if there's a lot of people out there who are maybe second guessing it, thinking, I know how great your life is going to be when you do allow yourself to follow what excites you. Your life will just be set on fire. Absolutely. And I think for women, just give themselves permission to know that it's okay. You can reinvent yourself. Even if you do it 25 times, that's Mm, fun. Go out there and just live life. (laughs) That's exactly right. I love that. And last but certainly not least, golden nugget number 13, mentally strong women don't downplay their successes. So don't worry so much about looking arrogant that you're going to refuse to give yourself credit for things that you've worked hard on. Things that you've invested in, your skills, your time in achieving your goals. No, be proud of that. Don't be overly braggadocious about it, but be proud of it. And when people compliment you, maybe just say thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate that. Don't downplay your success. You worked hard. Take pride in your successes. Whether it's about your relationship, your kids, your work results, your body, your life in general. Maybe you bought a new car. It doesn't matter what it is. Don't downplay your success. I love this one. Well, when we look at how women tend to talk about their achievement compared to the way that men do, women downplay how much success they've had or how how big their accomplishments are. That's not to say that men are right and women are wrong. Uh, Men sometimes tend to be on the boastful end of the spectrum. But for women to just recognize how it can hurt them, when they look at studies about LinkedIn, for example, Men and women who have very similar job experience, women tend to list something like seven fewer skills or achievements than men do. And on a place like LinkedIn, where every skill, every achievement matters, that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Or I thought, you know, another interesting study was just the way that women respond to compliments. When a woman gets a compliment, whether it's, gosh, you know, you did a great job in that meeting today, or something simple like, I love the pants you're wearing, Women's really struggle to just say thank you. Instead, we're much more likely to minimize it and say, oh, it was nothing. Or we respond with another compliment like, oh, no, you're amazing because we, we want to feel like we're somehow humble or we feel bad about just saying thank you like we're being greedy. And so I just I think it's so important for women to know that you can say thank you when someone compliments you. It's not a bad thing that you doesn't make you arrogant or narcissistic. And that it's okay to tell people about the things you've achieved. You can, And you don't have to brag about how awesome you are and how you've changed the world, but talk about the hard work you put in, how it's paid off, and how happy you are to be where you are. And that's okay to just get more comfortable in your own skin. And when you start doing those things, other people recognize it too, that you're okay with who you are and that you don't feel like you have to minimize yourself to, to make other people feel good. And that, my friends, is the 13 things mentally strong women don't do by... Friend of the show, Amy Morin. Amy's got a third book out there, Thing 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do. And I'll tell you, we're going to get her back on for a third time to talk about that book because I also read that one. And despite the fact that I'm not a parent, I know there's a lot of parents out there. And I know a lot of you enjoyed the Jessica Leahy episode that we had about three weeks ago. So more stuff about parenting. I'm definitely going to bring that on for you. If you love this episode, then please, you know the spiel. Go online, especially if you're listening on iTunes or, or an Apple device. Go to the podcast app. Go to shows. Go to the Cut the Crap Show. Give me a rating. Give me a review. And uh, that would just mean a lot to me. So thank you in advance for doing that. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
It's a great way to follow me along, and I know I've been a little bit absent, but don't worry. It's because I've been working on how I'm going to launch the Create Your 8 vlog, and I'm telling you, it's been a process of me trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, me liking it, me hating it, but... Haha, I figured out something I like a lot, and uh, I'm just excited to launch it, and as I launch it, you're going to see a lot more from me throughout those networks. But give me a follow anyways, and send me a quick message, tell me you found me through the show. Also, last but not least, you know what I'm going to ask here. Um, all of you who have been listening to the show, your support means so much to me. If you can go to thecutthecrapshow.com, at the very top you see a bright red button, you can donate $5 every month uh, to me, which I am then taking back and giving back to shelters. Um, No-kill animal shelters, they take care of dogs, they take care of cats, they want to um, give them surgeries, they want to keep them healthy, they want to buy them food, um, buy them things that they need uh, to keep them healthy, happy and safe and help them find homes. And to me, pets, that's just such a, an important thing to my heart. I love animals and I know the role that animals play in helping people create their aid, help them defeat anxiety, depression, um, help them beat fear, loneliness and for me giving back to places that go under such high levels of stress to take care of these animals it means so much to me and so many of you have been so generous already and donated and i just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart that truly warms my heart and makes my day so if any of you haven't done that yet i'm going to continue to put the call to action out there maybe one day i'll get you um going ahead and donating and that'd be great also on that link you can also see um i totally forget about this too if you're interested in learning more about create your eight send me an email ryan.caligiuri at me.com send me an email and let me know if you're interested in learning more about create your aid as i move forward you're going to learn more about it and as you learn more about it you are probably going to want to learn more about how you can create your aid you will see me doing speaking gigs you'll see me doing more content online so you'll learn more about it but if you're interested as a lot of you have also signed up um, for the $100 a month coaching where I help you set your goals and I help you understand what Create Your Aid is. And I work together with you as a coach, helping you achieve success and helping you build mental toughness and resilience. And if that's something you're interested in, send me a quick message. Or if you just want to go ahead and, and buy the package and start working with me, you can also do that by hitting that bright red button on uh, thecutthecrapshow.com. Any case, man, it's such a spiel every single time. Yay, yay, yay. All right, that is a wrap for this week, everybody. So thank you so much again for your attention this week. It always means a lot to me. And we'll catch you back here next week when I have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author, and of course, every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark change in your life, and here helping you build mental toughness and resilience every single week. A fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. I love you all. Uh, growing up in Mississippi, my prayer was, for as long as I can remember, God use me, use me, use this life. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know that there is a vision for my life that is greater than my imagination can hold. Use me, use me, what would you have me to do? And that dream, that desire, that prayer brought me somehow to television. And she's gonna learn that this life will hit you hard in the face, wait for you to get back up just so it can kick you in the stomach. But getting the wind knocked out of you is the only way to remind your lungs how much they like the taste of air. If, if we wanna give all of our children a foundation for their dreams and opportunities worthy of their promise, 
if, if we want to give them that sense of limitless possibility, that belief that here in America, there is always something better out there if you're willing to work for it, then we must work like never before. To those waiting with bated breath for that favorite media catchphrase, the U-turn, I have only one thing to say. You turn if you want to. The ladies not for turning. You might never fail on the scale I did, but some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. Each of us must truly be a woman in the world. We need to be as fearless as the women whose stories you have applauded, as committed as the dissidents and activists you have heard from, as audacious as those who start movements for peace when all seems lost. Together, I do believe it is part of the American mission ensure that people everywhere, women and men alike, finally have the opportunity to live up to their own God-given potential.